Well, thank you for being with us this morning. And for those of you online, welcome. Uh, let's uh, go to the Lord and have a word of prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, we uh, sang about your holiness. Uh, we're mindful that you are holy and great and wonderful and majestic, God. And we give all praise and thanksgiving to you and acknowledge, Lord, your uh, great mercies to us as uh, your people. Uh, through Jesus Christ, Lord, we, we stand uh, righteous before you in his righteousness. Uh, we're thankful as your people that we may be in Christ Jesus and that we may uh, celebrate uh, this morning uh, the glories of our salvation. Uh, we ask, Lord God, for uh, your presence with us as your people, that your spirit would quicken us, that we would be alive to hear, uh, spiritually alive to hear your word, and that um, we, uh, that your spirit would illuminate that truth to our hearts and lives, uh, that we might walk before you in an honorable and Christ-honoring way. And God, we uh, thank you uh, for the privilege of being here to freely worship you this morning and ask, God, for your blessing upon your people and the communication of the truth of your word to, the hearts, uh, to our hearts and our lives, Lord, in such a way that we may assimilate it and that it may be, have its transforming work in the lives of us as your people. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And Romans has been such a blessed and wonderful study for me. I, I really don't want to leave Romans chapter 8. <laughs> I would, I would really like to spend uh, a lot of time here, and uh, the studies of it has been uh, such a blessing, and uh, so I, I pray that uh, that Romans 8 will, will stay with us in a very real and powerful way um, because of uh, the the significance of the truth uh, that is here for our walk before the Lord and uh, to know uh, what Paul is teaching here and to apply it to our, our hearts and lives, it, it just can't help but be uh, transforming to each one of us. And so I pray for his blessings upon his word. I'd like to read from, from Romans uh, chapter 8, and uh, if you don't mind, I, I would read from the beginning of the chapter through verse 17. Um, actually, I'll go back two verses into 7, uh, 24, beginning with verse 24, uh, and uh, to see the full uh, thing that, that Paul is addressing here. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Glory to God and praise to uh, the, the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father uh, that though we have uh, this struggle and acknowledgement that uh, wretched though we are through Jesus Christ and the power of God, that we may know non, no condemnation before that holy God that we just sang about. In ver, beginning in verse 2 there, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For... The mind set upon the flesh is death, but the mind set upon the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set upon the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life or quicken your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, and this is our passage for this morning, beginning in verse 12, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit of Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. And this morning I want to speak to you about uh, how sons are saved from wrath. And as we, we look at uh, this very uh, long dissertation that, that uh, Paul ad addresses uh, in regard to uh, 
uh, our justification before God and our reconciliation to God and now our sanctification with God, uh, we see that the sons of God are saved from wrath by the power of God. By the power of his indwelling spirit, we're saved from the power of sin uh, because of, of the work that God does in us. God is our salvation, the point we would make. So the conflict between indwelling sin in the believer and his new nature is a very real conflict that the believer experiences. The objective and goal of God is that we, he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He wants by the indwelling spirit of God uh, for, for these areas of our lives to be yielded, given up, uh, taken over uh, by the, the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, enacted into us by the power of God. And through the grace of God, this is his plan. So there's the indwelling sin problem that we have, wretched people that we are, uh, sinful that we are, separated from the glory and the person of Christ that we are and have been. We have been brought into Christ and into this relationship by the power and work of God and by that same power and work of God, he's conquering these areas of our lives and sanctifying us for the glory of Jesus Christ. We're to honor Christ. We're to give glory to him for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So uh, this morning I want to just make the point that sons that are saved from God's wrath uh, are waging this battle against sin. Uh, it's, and it's, it's not won by uh, some monastic attitude. Uh, I, I always think of these um, <clears throat> priests that, uh, that slept in caskets because they uh, were, were putting to death and, and trying to put to death the sin uh, in their lives by their own energies. And God has not called us to those things. Uh, but they literally took this, this idea that we have, have died in Christ, that we've been buried in his baptism, and slept in caskets at night. And, and their objective was to pull away and pull out of culture and to, to uh, isolate themselves in such a way because of that fear of the flesh, that recognition, wretched man that I am, and, and the, their objective, their idea was that, that through the working of law and good works and abstaining from life in general, uh, that, that there would be this putting self to death uh, by the activity of not the spirit of God but the flesh. Uh, and there's no victory in it. There's no power in it. Uh, putting, uh, it's not flagellation. Uh, you may have read about Martin Luther, uh, how he uh, beat himself and how he crawled uh, before in, in Rome in the steps uh, there of the Vatican. And uh, it's not this. That's, that's not living the Christian life. And it's not to the glory of God. It is uh, 
an attempt by the energies of the flesh to live the Christian life, and it's bogus, it's vain, it, it can't, can't uh, take place. Uh, it's not forcing the flesh to submit to the law by the energy or strength of the flesh. It's not behavior modification or changing the way we behave. It's not learning to, to love yourself in any uh, way or in any way coddling yourself uh, or, uh, or our egos before God or boasting in works or keeping of, of the law. These, these things are not, uh, are not spirituality. It's, it's not sanctification. And Paul is teaching us these things here. So the sons of God are no longer obligated to sin. And this uh, principle, I, I would take you back to uh, chapter 5, because Paul has been developing this for some time. Uh, chapter 5, verses 9 through 12, it says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Okay, we're justified through... The salvation that Christ is wrought. God made he to be sin for us. So we're in Christ. We've been justified by his blood. Since this is the case, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So the wrath of God is over all sin. All sin is death. But the power of God past justification enters into sanctification where God he sanctifies and sets apart our life by the power of God. He gives to the believer that power over sin and that power over that death. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled to God, we shall be saved by his life. This is what Paul is, is dealing with and teaching us here. What is the process? How is it that we may live and, and, and walk in the Christian life. And there must be this understanding that there's an enemy in the camp, that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and that we're going to have that conflict as long as we're in this mortal body of sin and death, and that the only uh, complete answer to the problem in, in our physical human mortal bodies is death to resurrection. And that's the promise. That is the work of Christ's salvation. His offer is that not only will he give to us this eternal life, but he will also raise us up on the last day. And mortality will put on immortality. And there will be freedom. There, It is bracketed. Evil started, and there will be an end to it by the power of and to the glory and, and grace of God, to the praise of the glory of his grace, Ephesians says, to the praise of the glory of God's grace, you will not always have this battle between the flesh and the spirit. But today we have the battle. And Paul addresses these things here. And he wants for us to understand that wretched though we are, we're in Christ Jesus and now being in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation because we have been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. It's his purpose and plan to sanctify you. And so pursue holiness, pursue godliness, pursue righteousness, 
in your walk before the Lord because these are the things that he's called you to. And what he has called you to, he has supplied for us. And that supply comes through faith, right? doesn't come through through self and flesh motivation. It's the hardest thing for us to learn. It doesn't come through the energies of the flesh. We're not talking about uh, about uh, the decision of the will and the and the the determination of the mind in these things that are our responsibility, but the power and the glory and the release and the freedom comes from Jesus Christ. He's our Savior, and and it comes from His inworking Spirit. So the sons of God are no longer obligated to sin. And let's look at those first two verses there. Uh, which would be uh, verses uh, 12 and 13. So then, brethren, we are no longer... uh, And that word uh, under obligation means... um, uh, It it actually means indebted. We are no longer indebted uh, to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. Uh, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's life in godliness and righteousness in the pursuit of the things of the Word of God. The Word of God breathes life to us. Wonderful words of life are, are true of the Scripture. And so Jesus tells, abide in me and my words are to abide in you. His teaching, the teaching of Christ, are transformational. And the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and by faith the enactment of those things in our life is freedom to us and life to us. Not just life, but the eternal life that Jesus Christ promised to us. So pursue holiness, but pursue it not in the energy of the flesh, but by the power of God's Spirit. So uh, again, the, the verse in verse 12, So then, brethren, we are under uh, obligation not to the flesh. We are not under obligation to the flesh to obey it any longer because the Spirit of God is killing the deeds of the flesh in our lives. Uh, so, so then, brethren, we are under no obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you must die because that is the, the principle of, uh, and the law of sin and death. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so uh, the sanctification process is necessary for knowing the glories of the eternal life that Christ Jesus has given to us. We live by the Spirit by putting to death, by killing the deeds of the flesh. And the Holy Spirit must do that work within us. So a, a second point here, and a, a point from the verse, uh, is we, we look at the so then. The so then is a conclusion. The Apostle Paul is, is bringing us to this, this point, this conclusion, and, and he's, he's bringing us to an application. It's an exhortation and an appeal uh, in this verse. So Paul concludes with the truth about this principle of the ground for growth. It's being in Christ Jesus. It is faith in, in his righteousness that has been given to us as a gift. 
And it is that, and on that basis of drawing from that, and in Ephesians it says that we, that we, uh, that we have uh, this treasure uh, and uh, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All spiritual blessings are there. It's a heavenly bank account. And we draw from that bank account by, uh, by, by drawing from it, by, uh, by exercising the use of that, that bank account. And we do that how? But by faith. By faith in the power of God. By faith in the word of God. And we used a demonstration last week of, of David when he approached uh, he approached Goliath. He said, "I will give your head and the heads of the of the and the bodies of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field." And he says, "Because the battle is of the Lord." And that faith of David was exercised uh, because of who God is, and because uh, the challenge was not to David but to God. And that's the way we need to see the. Those, uh, those challenges in our life toward godliness in that battle between the flesh and the spirit. We see them as uh, a conflict uh, which has been conquered by Jesus Christ through his grace. And we're, we're looking in a complete brokenness and dependence upon him because we acknowledge that Wretched man that though I am, who shall save me from this body of sin and death? Well, Jesus Christ will save us, and he will deliver us, and he's able to deliver you. The scripture tells us God is able to deliver. He's able to deliver me. And it's, it's by faith in God's goodness and in his mercy and in the salvation that is in Jesus Christ that we may know victory in the Christian life, and power over sin and over death. Uh, and we're to draw from these things. So Paul concludes uh, with this truth about the ground of our growth. It's being in Christ. It's that spirit, the spirit of the life that is found uh, in Christ Jesus. That is what sets us free from the body of this sin and death. So Paul associates with uh, Romans as a family. Notice that it says, uh, so then, brethren. Paul calls you brothers. The Lord Jesus, uh, we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been given this wonderful privilege in Christ Jesus through faith, by believing in Christ, by trusting his word, God has moved you out of death and into his very family. And so Paul addresses the believers here in Romans and he associates with them as family. He's talking to believers here about power over sin and over uh, death and, and the entrance into the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the glories that that means uh, because we're, uh, we've been uh, brought in, adopted into the family of God. That's who you are. And your identity is the ground for which spiritual growth may take place. Knowing what the scripture says about you is reality. What God's word says about you is reality. 
regardless of your experience, regardless of the struggle with the sin and flesh, uh, we can all say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other hand with my flesh, the law of sin. That conflict is there, but the victory is there for us in Christ Jesus and Paul is challenging us on to that. He's exhorting the believers in Rome to those things and to the glory which Christ has set before us. And I would set it before you this morning. Uh, there's a, a, a decision, an act of faith, a determination of your will to believe and obey and trust the Word of God. That's faith. You, you lean upon what God has said as your reality and as your truth. Sinful flesh is not, no longer your master. So <clears throat> we're not under obligation to it. The authority, see a master, uh, uh, he takes authority, right? And what is authority but the exercise of power? Authority is, is uh, it's, it's kind of out there. Uh, and what Paul is saying, what the Holy Spirit is teaching us here is that is that sinful flesh is no longer master over us. It's no longer to, to direct us. It's no longer to call us to obedience. It has no voice, no authority for the believer. We've been delivered from it. Romans 6, 13 and 14. Do you not know and, uh, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness? So Paul is saying, don't present yourself to, to these things, but present yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. That's authority. It doesn't have authority over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. This is the, the expression of the, of the, the spirit of, uh, of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's where our freedom is. And, and, and Paul, uh, he's, he's teaching these believers, and we, we would lay it to our hearts this morning that this is what uh, God has for us. It's by his power and through his grace that we may know uh, that breaking from, from the clutches of, of sin and I mean, you, you've heard it, uh, and those things that uh, you, I was just made this way, uh, and I can't help uh, this this area of sin in my life because because I, I was born this way. I was born with a propensity toward homosexuality, or uh, and and uh, you know they're mastered by it. And, and Jesus said, "He that commits sin is a slave to sin." It has mastery and control uh, uh, your, your, your flesh or your, your fallen spirit has control over your body. And, and so the scripture lists these things that have, have master over us by the flesh. But this battle with the spirit takes place in the believer. And the victory is to Christ Jesus as far as victory over sin. A third point here is that we're not under obligation to live under the authority of the flesh. You don't have to obey its lust any longer. 
Uh, and Romans 6.12 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. There's victory. There's freedom from, uh, from the, the clutches, from the, the challenges of the flesh. Um, and then verse 13, For you are living, uh, for you, or if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so if we live by the Spirit, killing the deeds of the body, uh, then there's, there's life and there's uh, fulfillment of the law. Uh, it's not done by uh, the keeping of the law, but by the Spirit of Christ uh, at work within us. If you're living according to the flesh, you must die, but if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Um, so the obligation for our sin is death. Okay? Uh, we're no longer under that obligation. We're, we're no longer under those things. Um, Romans 6.23 says that the wages or the obligation, you can, can use that uh, term because it's the same thing, the obligation of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So um, if you live by the flesh, you must die. Uh, there in your notes, second point, uh, do you not know that when you present your, yourselves or your bodies to someone as slaves for obedience, that you are slaves to the one to whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in death? In righteousness. Uh, so again, uh, the law, of, uh, the spirit of life, has freed us, has made us free. A third point there: the deeds of the body are being mortified by the spirit. We're putting to death. Now think about it for just a second. What does it mean to put deeds to death? Uh, because this is a sanctification process. If we're if we're putting deeds to death or we're putting works to death or things that we do to death, uh, what is that and what does that look like? Well, it, it doesn't, it's not, we're not talking about physical death as in, uh, you know, uh, as, as in the, the physical deaths that we all must die because of sin. It's talking about uh, the death uh, that, that sin brings um, that is, is spiritual in its very nature, uh, that is opposite of the life of God, is opposite of the, of the Spirit of God that was breathed into mankind. Um, so how, how is it that deeds are killed? What do we do when we kill deeds? Uh, when we put those things to death, when we, we mortify the deeds of the body by the Spirit, well, uh, and, and I would take you to Colossians 3, 5, and it's active in an active sense here. Um, the, the word uh, is mortify, therefore, your members. Now, that's active sense. Put it to death. You're killing it, which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It's Colossians 3, 5. 
uh, we're to mortify our members, but, but how do we mortify members? And what does it mean? And how are deeds killed? Well, uh, they're killed through faith in Christ Jesus, and you simply stop doing them. You stop sin. Sin is stopped. It's put to death. Self is stopped. Pridefulness is stopped. Uh, such things uh, not only as, as deeds but also as attitudes in the heart are, are put to death. Uh, Colossians 3.8 says, now, But now you yourselves are also to put these to death, or, or to put all these off. It says to put them off. And that uh, putting that off is anger and wrath and malice. The anger is, is an attitude, isn't it? Okay, and it, but you have other things here, wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. So things that you say, it flows from the heart. And these things flow from the inner person. And, and they're to be put to death. The flesh is put to death. And we put off attitudinal sins. Um, and uh, there are believers that have had horrible things done to them by others. Terrible things that are unmentionable. And, and they harbor those things. And, and they harbor hatred and bitterness. I've, I've known of people that have har- harbored bitterness uh, through, uh, throughout their lifetimes. But God has intended to free us from those things. And, and we're freed by the word of God and by the power of God and by the work of God in our heart. And it is true that by your flesh you can't forgive someone that has, has done something that's so unjust and so wrong to you. But the power of God and the spirit of God enables us to forgive. And we must forgive. If I'm speaking to someone here this morning, uh, that has, for, for many years or for a long period of time, harbored angerness, anger and bitterness toward someone that is, has wronged them terribly, God is able to do by His Spirit working in you. He's able to free you from that anger and able to, to, to make you free. Uh, but that freedom comes by His Spirit and by the power of His work within you and by the, the uh, obedience or submission and the, and the act of faith in trusting in Him to do what you cannot do in yourself. And, and perhaps there, there are, are some that are fighting with other areas of, of sin in your life. And there's this ongoing conflict. What do we do with those things? And how do we put deeds, how do we put uh, particular sins to death. We, we, we kill them. We mortify them. Uh, I, I love the word in the King James, mortify the flesh. You put it to death. Put your hatred to death. Put your bitterness aside. Well, how do you do that? It's been done by faith. It's done by the power of God. It's done by the work that He will do in you. But I do know that it comes in brokenness when we acknowledge, God, I can't. Wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of sin and death? Who can save me from such uh, bitterness or, or uh, for such wrong? Because we, we justify that and, and we can harbor ill feelings 
and we can harbor depression and bitterness uh, for, for, for many years. As believers, we can do those things. Uh, and God doesn't want us there. He's made us free from those things. We're freed from them in Christ Jesus. And may God grant that we know that freedom that he has, has paid for uh, preciously. Uh, the Lord Jesus taught us uh, that we're, we're to forgive others and we're to move past those things that would, that would enslave us or, uh, or bring us under the bondage of, of those uh, things in our flesh. You don't have to be bound to them. They do not have to have mastery over you. And the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus. So know your freedom and experience your freedom because you trust in the power of God and the glory of God to obtain uh, those things that you cannot obtain for yourself. Uh, Looking at verse 14, uh, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Are you led by the Spirit of God? Notice that it says, and that Paul here, you can uh, can see what he's doing in, in the title uh, of our sermon this morning uh, that uh, has to do with, with being sons of God. Uh, sons are, are saved from, from wrath. Uh, we're delivered from these things. We're delivered from that death. Uh, we have, have been led by the Spirit of God. So what does it mean uh, that we are led by the Spirit of God? Sons of God are no longer obligated to sin because we're led. Notice that it says for. Notice that, that little word there. And that, that brings us to uh, the, the, the uh, reason that sons of, of God are no longer obligated to sin. Uh, because we're led in the battle with the flesh by God's Spirit. God's Spirit, He guides us, He teaches us, He illuminates truth to us, He convicts us of sin, He, he, uh, 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 he demonstrates, he, he brings uh, to light and truth the righteousness of God and what, what right is through His Word. He corrects us. He guides us uh, in the instruction of his word. He's leading us to sanctification. He's leading us to the glory of of being like Jesus Christ, of being transformed in the inner person by the power of his spirit, taking the word of God that's given to us and giving that instruction. He's leading us in the battle. And so... Uh, sometimes when I see believers, they come and they're, they're, they're deeply troubled over their sin. And I praise God because that's the step. That's the leading of the Spirit. That's the conviction of the Spirit. He's leading you to righteousness. And He's brought conviction of sin in your life because He wants to give you victory over that. He wants that area of your life. He wants that victory. And He will know that victory. And he will know that victory by the power that Jesus Christ has worked on the cross of Calvary for you. And being in Christ, you can have confidence, not that you're lost 
or that you're apart. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus and that as sons that God is leading you. The Holy Spirit is leading you and he's convicting you of sin. He's doing that work that the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone can do. Now, if you have no conviction of sin and you think you're, you're just perfect and everything's right with God, it means that God's not working in your life. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but, but God, he convicts. He is uh, intent on conforming us into the image of his son. And so, uh, and, but he, isn't he merciful? Because he doesn't bring it all down upon us at once. He leads us in this battle. And, he, and he, he'll take one area of our lives and say, and, and we'll get this conviction. We'll see the, the dirt, the wretchedness of wretched men that I am. And, and, and the conviction comes there. And he leads us in. But he doesn't, he doesn't pull all of our junk together all at once and reveal all of it at once and overwhelm us. But God in his mercy, he gently leads us. And those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So take courage and take hope that God is, is working through these things in your life. And, 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 and in faith, we trust in what God is doing. We trust in His goodness and we trust that He will accomplish what He alone can do. God is able to do those things. We're led into the battle by the flesh, with the flesh by God's Spirit. Galatians 5:17 and 18 says, "For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under that obligation. You're not under the condemnation. You're not under the wage of sin. And therefore, it's the very ground of spiritual growth. It's where we're, we're made free in Christ Jesus. If the Son has set you free, you shall be free indeed. And He will have the victory in your life. Go to Him. Go to Him as your Savior. And, and rejoice that, uh, that we have this, this wonderful uh, privilege and pleasure to go before God and call Him Abba, Father. He loves you, and and our Heavenly Father is our provider, and He will look upon you with pity and mercy and a determination as a father to instruct and lead and guide you uh, to those things uh, which He has called you to uh, and which he created you for. So sons of God are no longer obligated to sin because we have been adopted and we may intimately call on God as our Father. And to know our identity, to know these things and to uh, believe them by faith and to lay hold of them are the grounds for which we may grow spiritually. Uh, those believers, uh, or all of us as believers, uh, we so often are, are so busy about, about 
trying to justify ourselves before God, to win brownie points before God, to set the parameters of the way that we live so that we may avoid certain things, and we, we simply lose sight of the fact that he's Abba. He's our daddy, our father, one that, that we may go to and there find what is needed in our lives. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. How long has it been since you've just simply cried out, Abba, Father? Deliver me. Uh, save me. May I know the power of your spirit. May I know the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Father, you're, you're the one who supplies. You're my provider. Uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, my eyes are upon you. My trust and my hope is in you. Not in my own strength or the own energy of my flesh, but in the power of God's spirit at work within us. There we find uh, such hope and such grace. A father is respected, but he's always approachable. He's always approachable. We have uh, the spirit, a spirit of adoption, acknowledgement that we're children. It's so important for you to know your identity in Christ Jesus. Uh, so often we look at, well, what does people think about me and what does so-and-so think and and, and we try to find our significance in what other people think about us and, and such things. But to know who we are in Christ Jesus is so freeing that he loved you so much, that he created you, that he redeemed you, and that he went to the extent and expressing that love that while we were yet sinners, while we were still hope, helpless, Christ died for the, for the ungodly. Uh, when we were uh, apart from God, when we were enemies to God, he demonstrated his own love toward us and, and, and he saved us by grace through Jesus Christ. And that expression of, of, of love and acceptance of who you are, I mean, what else do we really need uh, other than, than who we are in Christ Jesus and to know that he's loved us to that extent? Um, Know your identity in Christ Jesus. It's the ground for spiritual growth. It's who we are in Christ Jesus. And you didn't do it. God is the one that reached down and saved your life. He did the work. He drew you to himself. Jesus said, no man comes to me unless the Father draws him. Uh, because we were so spiritually lost so spiritually blind, so spiritually helpless, so spiritually dead in our sins. God had to bring life in us, and His Holy Spirit does that work. And, and so uh, we can cry, Abba, Father, and, and know in confidence that we have His ear. We know in confidence that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What else do we need to know? And, and how much more acceptance do we need to, to have in our work and, and how people look at us and, and, and how we feel about the significance of our lives than, other than the fact that God came down out of heaven, took upon himself flesh, and died for me? 
That's love. That's great love. And those are the things that we need to know. And that's where our confidence rests. And that's where our confidence in victory over power of sin and all of my failures and all the shortcomings in our lives are, are, are nothing to God. He, that spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is able to quicken our mortal bodies. He's able to do glorious things in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to know. We need to set our minds on those things and to know the power and the grace of God. I pray for you as God's people and in Christ's love for you as he would express it through me as your pastor and through his word that you may know the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus and that you may know that victory and glory and grace in your lives that has been intended for you in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's embraced by faith. It's known because, because the Holy Spirit did this work, that Christ did this work, that God loved you this much, that you may call him Abba, Father. And despite all of our wretchedness, through Christ Jesus, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's the ground of growth. It's the blessing that we have received through his mercies. And it expresses mercy to one another, does it not? That, that we know that, that God loves you that much, that, that all of our stink, that we, as we get close in our fellowship with one another, that we experience and we see and God has delivered us, and it, it makes you acceptable, not just to God, but to, to us, to one another. We're acceptable because, because we know who you are. You're in Christ Jesus, and he has this glorious plan, and he's working out that glorious plan. And so the patience that God has, we have patience with one another in all of our shortcomings and where we, we, we fail and, and come up short in our relationship with one another and we disappoint one another uh, and we look at those things and say, well, that's, that's disappointing and sometimes disheartening and sometimes people even leave church because it becomes so painful. Uh, but uh, to know that God is, is working in us and know the expression of his love for one another uh, through us is a glorious thing. It's, it's a blessing that our Heavenly Father, Abba, has given to us. What a wonderful thing that God has done and what glory He has planned for your lives as He's sanctifying you and working these things out. And, and if He has this much patience with you, then, then we should have patience with one another, right? It's glorious thing, the fellowship in the body of Christ Jesus, the exercise of, of the glory of, of the gifts that he's given to his people as they're, they're worked in the body and the expression of the love of Christ through you that we've seen manifested in our body, the expression of the service and, and the expression of Christ's love through your, through your bodies is a glorious thing, and it's, it gives glory to Christ Jesus. It gives glory to God. And I just say, thank God. I praise God for, for what he's doing in our church and, and for the, the glory of Christ that I see in your lives. Verses 16 
Okay, let's see. A father will always hear his son's cry, uh, for we have not received uh, the spirit of fear, but of the spirit of, of, of adoption as sons. Uh, what a glorious thing that we have and need to know it. That's our identity. Uh, verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. God's Spirit confirms that you're his child. His Spirit uh, gives that affirmation. Uh, and the, the conviction of sin is, is all part of it. It's not, it's not something that... that uh, uh, it, it, that you somehow missed out on on what God has and He's doing. It's it's the exercise of what God is doing in His salvation in your life, and to see brokenness and to see trials and street, see tribulation is the exercise of those things. The Spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. I can remember sharing the gospel with someone. They said, "How do you know? How do you know?" And I said. Here's here's what First John says: He that that has Christ, uh, uh, that that is, has received Christ, has eternal life. Uh, by faith, those that receive Christ have confidence, have assurance, and this is the record that I've given unto you: eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that is in Christ Jesus has confirmation. He has life. He has put his trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. And there's confirmation by God's word that he's, he's given us that security. There's no more condemnation for that, that person that has believed and has received the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Spirit itself testifies with our spirit. And that conviction of sin and, and that struggle, that battle is a very, very nature of, of the, the life that God has given us because we desire godliness. We desire righteousness. We desire those things that are of God. With my mind, Paul says, I, I seek after those things. I desire those things. But my body, my flesh uh, contends against those things. Well, it's the very sign that God's Spirit and the very confirmation of God's Spirit that He's at work within our lives when we have conflict with sin. If you don't have conflict with sin, then worry. You know, go to Christ because, uh, because those that are in Christ Jesus are going to have conflict with the sin uh, that is in our flesh. Uh, and so then in verse 17... Uh, we find, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. This is such a glorious passage. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus, he promised to us suffering, did he not? And he, did he not say, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you? Did he not say that there's that blessed is, uh, are those that, um, who suffer for righteousness' sake because theirs is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. The glory of God rests with you. Children are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. Man, that's just, it's too over my head to, to conceive of, of all that that means. 
And we know so very little about, about what it means, but we have the promise of his word. We have the, the promise, the things that God has spoken. And uh, if we're children, we're heirs. So what does that mean? Well, it means that what God has, he's given to you. That is a, an adopted child, uh, that the glory that God has and the glory as fellow heirs with Christ that has been given to Christ has been shared with you. I don't know how to hear that. You know, I, I just, I simply don't know how to, how to hear all that that means. But it's awesome. I mean, it's beyond, this is who you are. This is your identity in Christ Jesus. This is what you're called to. And any suffering that we have on this earth, any difficulties that we experience here uh, for that righteousness which we have embraced in Christ Jesus, which has been given to us, which resides within us by His Spirit and by His power and to His glory, any that we suffer for that is nothing by comparison to what's being said in this, this passage of Scripture. This is who you are. This is what God says about you. This is what we have to look forward to. This is God's word. This is God's promise to you. We may also be glorified with him, the pursuit of godliness, of righteousness, of these things, all of it's worth it. And it will be difficult. It will be challenging to you. But you can rest assured that it's worth it. A few points here. We are God's heirs. Listen, James 5, 2, 5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. Heirs of the kingdom. That's who you are. Heirs of the kingdom of God. And he chose the poor of this world. So you can look at yourself and you can be down about yourself and about how people look at you. But look at how God looks at you. Look at what he says about you. You are heirs of the kingdom which God has promised. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. Secondly, a second point, we're fellow heirs with that reign with Christ. Revelation 3.21, Jesus speaking to the church, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I have overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. There's a fellowship in the sufferings of Christ that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed unto His death. There's glory in it, brothers and sisters. There's glory in it for you. There are wonderful things that Jesus has planned for you. And overcoming in Christ Jesus is our calling. It's what He's doing through you. And He will succeed it's not dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon your power. It's not dependent upon your ability. It is dependent upon the Word of God and what God has declared that He is doing. That's the power of God. And it's been given to you as children, adopted children of God. It's the ground of growth.
We are partakers of his suffering for righteousness. We partake of those things. 1 Peter 4.1 says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's the process. There's a putting to death that life comes. Every time we put to death the deeds of, of, of the flesh, there's life that comes out of it. That's the nature of, of God's salvation. It's the nature of how he works. Putting that to death, knowing killing sin, uh, the, the sanctification that takes place in the believer's life, there's a, a ceasing of sin and glory given to God because it's by the power and by the grace of God that these things take place in the lives of his children. And finally, there, that we may be glorified with him. God's plan, his intention, who you are, is that he has glorified you with Christ Jesus. That was the plan all along. And it's his work. It's to the glory of God. It's what God has done. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Glory and praise and honor belong to the Lord our God. May we know His grace and His strength. Brothers and sisters, I think that there, there are difficult times ahead of us as Christians. Because you carry the name of Christ, I think that, that as a, a nation and as a country and as a people and as a church, that carrying the name of Christ is going to mean some hardship for us in the future. And... Uh, if that is the case, there needs to be a decision in your heart and in your life that it's worth it, that the glory that God has set before you, that the glory of carrying the name of Christ in times such as these are going to be worth whatever suffering comes our way. And there needs to be a decision for each one of us that it's well worth it and whatever God calls me to, he's going to take me through. He's able He's willing, he has the power, and he will succeed in what he's called me to. And you've been called for such a time as this. May God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, be glorified. Father in heaven, we thank you that, we, that you have adopted us as your sons and sent forth your Holy Spirit into our hearts that we may cry, Abba, Father. Father, we thank you that we can come boldly before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in every time of need that you have not left us nor forsaken us and that Jesus says that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those that are being led by your Spirit. May we be easy to lead, Lord, Break up the fallow ground of our hearts. Bring us to that brokenness and humility that we may know the submission to that leading of your spirit in our lives that we may submit and yield and obey your word and know the life and put to death that sin which is so displeasing and dishonoring to you. We know that we abide in Christ and he in us and we give thanks to you because he has given us his spirit. Help us not to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit of God, 
by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. May we walk by the Spirit and not carry out the desires of our flesh. Help us, O Lord, that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, for you have called us into your own kingdom and glory. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us through the gospel that we may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have made us to be an epistle of Christ, and you have determined to deliver us from our sins, and you have written our story not with ink but by the Spirit of you, our living God, not on stone tablets but on the tablets of our human hearts. Father, you are able to keep us from stumbling and to make us to stand in the presence of your glory, blameless with great joy. And to you, the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, is glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. God, do your work within us as your people. And may glory be given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you guard our steps from stumbling. May you order our steps in accordance with your word that we may honor you and that we may live to the glory that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. We pray and ask these things in his precious name. Amen.